Welcome to the program, everybody. You just stepped inside of Psychotic Bump School, the place where education and entertainment meet at the intersection of Bunk and Soul. My name is DJ Rome, and you know we're here for another exciting edition of Psychotic Bump School. So, ladies and gentlemen, tonight, oh, we have another amazingly full show. We have a couple of people coming through the school tonight. We're going to be talking about the case of Tyree Nichols. Tyree Nichols passed away a few days after an unfortunate and fatal counter with the Memphis Police Department over there in Tennessee. He's actually a California native, and we're going to be talking about uh, this case and the ensuing protests and uh, protests happening across the country. And uh, it's not at George Floyd levels as of today, but the outrage is real. It's palpable. People are upset. Uh, here we go again, unfortunately. So to help me have that conversation, we're going to be talking with uh, cultural studies professor, the good brother, Dr. Sanford Richmond. He's back with us again. And he's also going to be talking about what's happening in Florida with Governor Ron DeSantis and banning advanced placement African-American studies curriculum. So we're going to be talking with Dr. Sanford Richmond about that, as well as the case of Tyree Nichols. We're also going to be rejoined by our good sister, Dr. Flojan Colford, Dr. Flo. Dr. Flo is a California epidemiologist. She's back from her travels from around the world to give us an update on coronavirus. And you don't want to miss this as a uh, infectious disease specialist. She, of all people, has the 411. And you're not going to get this information uh, too many other places, ladies and gentlemen. But Dr. Flo is going to be breaking it down about what's happening with coronavirus and clearing up any misinformation myths right here on Psychotic Bump School. So that's going to be our lineup. So you might want to call your friends and family to the radio or the computer because we are about to set it off. So this is KCWGTheTruth.com. My name is DJ Rome. Welcome to Psychotic Bump School. Stay tuned for more. We're going to kick off our show with our good brother, Dr. Sanford Richmond. After this. Black cop is not 
are back. KCWGTheTruth.com. This program is called Psychotic Bum School. My name is DJ Rome. And ladies and gentlemen, once again, the country is in protest of still yet another police stop gone bad. It seems to be one of the age old stories in this country where the interaction that members of our community have with law enforcement uh, can sometimes have fatalistic consequences. And the story of Tyree Nichols is no different. Sadly, the good brother from Sacramento, California, uh, during the coronavirus peak or the onset of it, moved to Memphis, Tennessee. He's been there ever since. And he was beaten so severely that his injuries landed him in the hospital. And three days later, he succumbed to those injuries. He passed away. And so as a result, especially upon the release of the uh, police officer's camera footage, uh, people are upset. People are hurting over this. And the usual tropes, however, are not playing out the same way as one might expect. Some of us are not surprised by this, but others seem to be. So I wanted to talk about it. And to help me have the conversation, you guys know this good brother. This good brother has been here multiple times before. He has his doctorate in cultural studies, and he's a professor of film and ethnic studies. The good brother is the author of a book called Hip Hop Ain't Dead. It's living in the White House. Uh, graduate from Washington State University. The good brother has done it all. My good brother, Dr. Sanford Richmond. Dr. Richmond, how you doing, good brother? My brother, uh, I always love the intros. I always, <laughs> I always love them. Just, it's always on point. Always on point. I got to put that as my, my voicemail or something. I got, I got you do. Mind. You do. <laughs> hey, man, I got to I gotta bring you out right, man. How you been, yes, man? Yes, sir. I'm doing good, man. Doing good, man. Just, you know, day by day. Man. Day by day. Man, ain't it yes, the sir. truth? Hey, man, I know you've been seeing this this craziness with this oh, uh, Nickel story, right? Of course. Oh, man. Um, the way it's played out is a little... Uh, Interesting, but I, I I don't want to steal your thunder, good brother. Uh, when you sure. first saw this breakout, uh, can you give us an idea what came to your mind the first time you saw mm -hmm. the story of Tyree Nichols across the news cycle? What you what were your thoughts? I mean, I mean the same thought I see every time I see it. Basically, I mean it's like it's just normal, you know. It's like a a normal way of doing business in America, you know. I don't I don't I don't know any other way of saying it or any clever way of saying it. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's just the normal way America and the criminal justice system does business. You know, it's, it's uh -huh. just a reality of life that we live under. Wow. No surprise. And that's the sad part, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean it's just it's just normal. It's just it's, it's unfortunate, but it's just it's just normal. So it's like you get I mean, and you hate to say it, but yeah. it's like you get desensitized. You never yeah. you never should be desensitized over death or right. over or over murder. Right. But. Even, even the brutal way it was done, but it's just, I don't know, just the way it is right now. Yeah. Well, yeah. can you talk to us about that a little bit? Because the officers involved this time are all mm -hmm. of African-American descent. Right. And of course, brother Tyree was of African-American descent. And so the tropes that usually play as it plays out with race, if the, you know, perpetrator, excuse me, if as if the officers were not black, and white right. or you know non-black, uh, the component of race has come up, but it's playing out a little differently this time. Uh, can you speak a little bit about the role of race in this issue? How does it play out uh, uniquely or similarly uh, in this Tyree Nichols case compared to other cases? Can you talk to well, us a little bit? Well, I mean, let me just say this. Those black officers deserve everything they get. 
I mean, um, they're murderers, simple and plain. You know, um, they, I mean, they literally beat this man to death. You mm -hmm. know, um, they were like the ball, you know, that Baltimore was that gun task force or whatever that was portraying that HBO mini miniseries, We Own This City. And um, I don't know if you ever saw that, but and unfortunately, most of those officers were black. So I have mm -hmm. no sympathy for the officers. Mm -hmm. But but at the same time, I'm disturbed like at the quickness and efficiency of their charges. It's like it's like three weeks. It's like three weeks. Like within three weeks. Like the so the question. I mean, the, like the question has to be asked: If these were white officers, would this happen with this same amount of efficiency and like you know urgency that this case garnered? You know, like like how many times have we seen white officers do the same thing on video and, and worse, and, wow. and nothing happens? Mm -hmm. You know, so it, it's. You know, uh, my bad. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, okay. No, I'm just saying. And uh, and Carl Douglas, you know, on the uh, you know, OJ Simpson Dream Team, you know, uh, mm -hmm. the giant Johnny Cochran protege. Right. Um, you know, he was talking. He was on the radio. He was on a radio show. The other, uh, the, you know, Tammy Mack here in L.A. He was on. A, he was on. A, he was on a radio show, and he just said, like, like, where's the police unions coming to their defense? You know, where's the the mm. months and months of investigation they always claim they need, you know, when stuff like this happens, you wow. know, it's just, you know, so, I mean, again, like I said, I, I have no sympathy for them. I mean, they beat this dude to death, like literally yeah. to death. And yeah. so I had no sympathy for him, but it's like, you know, can we get the same energy when white officers do the same thing? Or, or like I said, even worse. Wow. You know what I'm just now thinking? Remember in Minneapolis uh, back in 2017, Justine Daman, uh, a Somali uh, African, excuse me, a Somali American police officer working in Minneapolis mm -hmm. uh, shot this Australian white woman, and they threw the book at that officer, man. Oh yeah, I kind of, I don't, I forgot. Yeah, you got the name. I forgot the name, but yeah, yeah, he he went to prison. Uh, they handled him quickly. Oh, yeah, quickly they, with quickly. the swiftness. His name swiftness. is uh, Muhammad Noor, uh, right. the right. officer who shot Daman. Uh, he shot across the he was, his passenger was sitting next to him. And he saw a shot across him and right. now he's doing time. He's serving a 12 and a half year prison sentence. But I think they actually gave him four and three quarter years. And he's still locked up right to this day, as far as well, I, I mean, know. Well, well, like I said, I mean, you know, you got to kind of balance it kind of like a little bit, you know, like they, you know, if black cops do wrong and, and are corrupt. And and, and 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 killing people, they deserve to justice just like anybody else. But right. I guess you know what me and I think you and the majority of black people are saying, let, let's do that to every cop, Correct. no matter what the race is. Right, and, and that's the problem, you know. Um, yeah. so it, it it's like it, it's like just just again consistency, consistency. That's all. That's all I think most black people ask for is consistency. Man, and and yet, like I said, they, again, I'm you know that's not like a broken record. They deserve what they get, in my opinion. But let's do that with white officers, too. Man, I mean, look how long it took for them to make an arrest of George Floyd. Look how long yeah. it took to make an arrest in uh, Breonna Taylor. Right. And uh, remember, remember the, what was them cats called? The the NAFC not messing well, around. Well, who, who, <laughs> what do you mean? These, these, these cops? No, remember, the, it was a black militia that marched into, uh, was it Arkansas? Where uh -huh. Taylor was shot, and they called themselves NFAC, not effing around coalition. It was a black militia of second uh -huh. cats marching down the street to the 
uh, officer of the, or excuse me, the office of the attorney general down there, right. uh, Brandon Cameron, I believe his name is. That brother might run for president one day. He's an African American okay. brother. African American brother. He's Mitch McConnell's protege. Mitch McConnell okay. loves him, and uh, he's a young cat, man. He's very well spoken. And when he announced that she hadn't been, uh, the officers in that case were not guilty of any crimes. They since have circled back, and you know, officers came back well, and said, "Yeah, they're they're guilty of stuff." Yeah, but, Biden, the Biden, the Biden administration. Uh, I think then he then he put them. Then they, the the the, the Department of Justice. Uh, yeah, sentenced one of them. Yeah. Yeah, I believe so. They they yeah. definitely ran that one back, and one yeah. of the officers came back and said, "Hey, this this ain't on the up and up." But uh, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm springing it on you. I wasn't even planning to talk about it. No, right, but right, right. It, it's just one of those things, man. And they had this thing in Memphis with this uh, Tyree Nichols case, the Scorpion right. unit. You hear about the Scorpion? Yeah, yeah Scorpion. I mean, I, I mean, I, I just heard about you know reading these articles and stuff and looking at these news clips. Yeah. yeah, I just heard of it now. Yeah. What an acronym. The Street Crimes Operation to Restore Peace in Our Neighborhoods. Neighborhood, right. right. Scorpion. That's yeah, yeah, that's the acronym. Um, yeah. They recently were deactivated. Uh, the sister, I have to look up her name. Her name is uh, Sarah Lynn Davis. The, the, Chief, 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 Chief Davis, right? Chief yeah. Davis. And yeah. And so they announced uh, on Saturday over the weekend that they're permanently deactivating that crime unit. So it right. just reminds me, it's like, if you right. call yourself the Scorpion unit. Right. <laughs> oh, right. man. Yeah, because yeah. I there was this film back in the late '80s, right around the time when uh, Jungle Fever, Spike Lee, mm -hmm. she's got to have it, Boys in the Hood in particular. But there was this little-known film, Doctor Richmond. I don't even know if you caught it back then. You're a film studies guy, so you may have heard of it or not. Mm -hmm. It was called Chameleon Street, and it was mm -hmm. an abstract black film uh, mm -hmm. made by a brother, and I have to look up his name. But he he directed and wrote it, and he starred in it, and he played the character who had multiple personalities and he kept playing these different parts whether he was impersonating an attorney or in a doctor and he committed okay. all these frauds and i think it was based upon a true story and so the last part of it was after he had gotten finally locked up he was telling the story about the scorpion uh, and the frog so that class oh, yeah. Yeah, is my, my father told me that story you know throughout my throughout my childhood yeah yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it's deep because the, the scorpion can't get across the, the, the river because he's going to die if he gets in the water. So he hops on the back of this frog and he bites the frog on the way. And yeah. it's like, hey, yeah. bro, I'm trying to get us to safety. Why you bite us? And the scorpion yeah. said, hey, it's my I'm nature. Still, I'm, still, I'm still a scorpion. Right? I'm still a scorpion. <laughs> so <laughs> you, right. you got to know it's going to yeah. go bad with a name like the scorpion unit. Exactly. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. That got disbanded. But just, I want to come back to this issue of race because mm -hmm. it's, it's, there's pro, this, right. this country's on, I mean, I'm not saying it's on fire. I think for the most part, protests have been largely peaceful. Right. But people actually thought that because the officers were black, that black folks in general wouldn't be outraged about this. And somehow we were programmed or predisposed to just give them a pass right. because the officers were black. Uh, right. Are you surprised about these protests? And what, what does it say about people who automatically think that black folks are going to give these officers a pass just because they're black? Well, but like, but like I just said, they, they deserve everything they get. I'm black. I, I said they deserve everything they get. And, yeah. and I said, and like my favorite rapper of all time, Ice Cube, Mr. Ice Cube and the police, you know, mm -hmm. black police showing out for the white cop, huh. you know, um, and, and all in the autobiography of Malcolm X, you know, when, when he was Malcolm Little and. That was his real name, I think. And the Detroit yeah. Red and all that when he was hustling on the streets of Harlem and Boston and all them in all them cities he was going to, he said he, a lot of times the black cops were more aggressive and more abusive. Right. You know, so 
to show, you know, like to show the white cops that they are not allowing any special privileges mm. to any black people because they're black, you know. Mm -hmm. So, so, so it's not about the race of cop. It's about the oppressive system of policing that victimizes African Americans, no matter no matter the race of the cop, yeah. you know. So, and we know the right wing, you know, you know, or whatever, or uh, people who are complaining like, oh, these are black cops and black, you know, they care nothing about that systematic reality. It's not about the it's not about the the race of the officer. It's about the oppressive system of policing that victimizes uh, black people. Mm. And so it don't matter what color you are. Once you put that uniform on, yeah. you're all about the blue, the badge yeah. and the blue. Yeah, right? I mean, like, like, but like I said, like, you know, and uh, you know, going back to what I was talking about in Baltimore, um, you know, most of those cops, those cops were black, you know, and a lot, and a lot of times, unfortunately, a lot of those abusive cops, black, they can be Latino people, people, of, uh, people of color. Yeah, it's unfortunate, but it's about they they have to follow the 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 tenets of the system, <sighs> you know, more than they're conscious a little bit, you know. Man, yeah, yeah, because yeah. you're very cold. You step out of that brotherhood. Yeah, um, accountability is like kryptonite. They don't want to break code. Exactly. Uh, you, you said Baltimore. Are you talking about the Freddie Gray case? No, they, they, uh, no. You, you you didn't see. Uh, it, it was it's it, it was it was during the it was like before, during, and after the Freddie Gray case. It was. This mm. it was this task force called I think it was the, the gun task oh, force, and, yeah. and and they had a mini a HBO mini series called uh like um this past summer, uh called We Own This City. Oh, okay. It was excellent, and it was a true story. You know, the same dude, uh, uh the same, David Simon, the same guy who did The Wire. He he did this uh yeah. he did this mini series, and it was it was a true story about these these abusive cops, and like half of them were white and half of them were black, and they were like thugs. They were they were they were they were, they were Blackmailing the drug dealers, uh, mm -hmm. other, other three, they were beating up people, killing people. They they were just they were thugs, and uh, and, wow. and, mo and a lot of them got and, and a lot of them got hard prison time right now. Oh boy! So yeah, it, it's 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 crazy. Yeah, <sighs> yeah, yeah. That's, and I, and I, that's what I'm saying. Go, I mean, black cops. Like I said, when black cops, it's like I mean, you know, when a when a black person kills a a, a person, we don't mo majority of the time black people don't defend that. We're not going to defend just black exactly. people just because they're black. Exactly. And, and, and that goes even double when they black police officers. Right. You right. Know, so, you know. Well, it's, it's kind of like the same thing because they talk about, I mean, going into politics a little bit. It's like the crime bill and Joe Biden was for the crime yeah. bill. But yet. But, still, but, but, but majority of, of black leaders uh, signed off on that. Yes, they did. Why, why, when they get when they give, you know, Bill Clinton, Hillary Clinton, who wasn't even president at the time. She yes. Was first lady. Yeah. And, and and Bill Clinton and, and Joe Biden, like they wasn't number one. Like I said, Hillary Clinton wasn't president. And when Bill Clinton and Joe Biden signed off on it, the majority of black people, of yep. black leaders, signed off on it too. Yeah. So exactly. they, and, and they and they and they always kind of like you know uh, what they call it, um, cover the lead or or mm -hmm. uh, you know what I'm saying like they always try to hide that. I mean, and, and I know like a lot of people, you know, in the Black Lives Matter movement, a lot of uh, young black activists. Their heart is in the right place, but you gotta, you gotta have the complete story. Absolutely, so it's not like like I like I like Bill Bill Clinton, Hillary Clinton. You know, Bill Bill was hating on Obama a lot, but you mm. know, I, I like Hillary Clinton. I mean, I don't you know don't love her. I'm not in love with her, but I don't dislike her either. And, right. and she she's said a lot and done a lot of stuff for black people. So has Bill Clinton, mm. you know. And so this thing where they were like, oh, they're the same, and like when people talk about Joe Biden's the same and all that. Like just Man, please. That's, it's, it's, that to me, that's just not that's not reality. I think you you're just speaking, you're not telling the truth. Absolutely, you're not, you're not, you're not being you're not being genuine 
with your with your opinions when you well, say that. Yeah, I mean, you're not doing your research either because no, you're, you're absolutely not right. You're not it doing was, your homework. Not no. at all, because no. the Congressional Black Caucus voted for that crime bill. Exactly. And then there were two people, there were at least four people that did not support the crime bill. And this doesn't even get enough attention either, Dr. Richmond, because there's four of them. I can't think of all four of them, but two names are really prominent. And there's two names that both progressives like to beat up on. Well, one of them for sure. One of them they give respect to. The other one who's a sister, they don't. But the right wing and the far left love to beat up on one of these. And the other one kind of gets a pass because of who he is. Two people that didn't vote of the four that I could think of, the mm -hmm. late great Mr. Good Trouble himself, John Lewis, did not support mm -hmm. the crime bill. And, right. guess who, and guess who the other one was from right here in cool. California? Um, uh, Oakland, the lady. Uh, L.A. Oh, 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 Maxine. Maxine Waters. Maxine, oh yeah, Maxine, the my favorite black politician before Obama. You know what yeah. I'm saying? She did yeah. not support the crime bill, and no. people right. give that woman right. heck. Yeah, because yeah. they they don't understand that you know you may not like right. everything she says as far as if if you consider her to be a feminist, but she has gone hard in the paint for her black. Yeah, oh yeah, people. oh yeah, Maxine Waters. Her her resume is to far as perfect. Yeah, you know, I mean, I mean, I don't agree with everything she said or done, but right. It, um, yeah, she's been great. She's been, she's been, a, she's been a, uh, she's been a treasure to black people, not just here in LA, but across the country. Indeed, this is KCWG, yeah. the Truth.com's program is called Psychotic Bump School. My name is DJ Rome. We're chopping it up with the good brother, Doctor Sanford Richmond. He's here, or he's here, as I should say, breaking it down to his final compound. This issue with Tyree Nichols, y'all, it's 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 blowing up this country right now. There's protests, demonstrations all over the country in lieu of his passing at the behest of the local law enforcement in Memphis, Tennessee. The good brother has uh, been called home. 29-year-old African-American man, a skateboarder, a father. Not to interrupt you, brother, but you, you say he was in, uh, he's from Sacramento? From Sacramento. Hmm. From Sacramento. And he went to um, Memphis to, to go live with his father. I think he was out here uh, in California to live with his mother. Okay. Uh, living was kind of high for him out here. You know, he was skateboarding and then he became a father. And right. he wanted to be better. He was also a photographer. I mean... One thing I, I I do like the way they've at least attempted to humanize this brother, right? You know because I haven't well, you know because they always want to make him you know a thug or, or exactly a gang member or, exactly you know, or he was resisting arrest even though white right. white men resist arrest all the time and never get killed but you know yeah they, or, or don't get killed as much as black folks but you know that's not absolutely the issue. absolutely. Now, they may say, because I think if you look at the, you know, the deaths at the hands of police, I think by and large white folks get killed more. Because for obvious reasons, there's more white folks here. Well, so, what I'm about to say there's more. It's more. It's more of them than us. Right. You know. But, but I still think we. I think they, I think we still. We we still at a higher rate though. Yeah. Sure. I mean, it's more. It's it's more them, but it's a higher rate for us. Absolutely disproportionate like that, to yeah. our number. Yeah, yeah, that's right. We were, it's way out of proportion to our yeah. number. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So yeah, and that's why you know we don't have. You remember? Uh, did you see Avengers? Um, yeah. Not, not in game. Oh, Infinity War. Remember in Avengers yeah. Infinity War? Right. Uh, Proxima Midnight. She's one of my favorite characters, man. One of my favorite villains. And remember when um, Vision and Scarlet Witch, they were having their time alone and then they got into a fight where Proxima Midnight and them two thugs from Thanos and then Captain America showed up with Falcon and uh, Scarlet Johansson and uh -huh. then 
they were saying, um, no, they were in Wakanda and Black Panther, the late great Chadwick Boseman, rest the, in the peace. The late great, the late great. Late great. They were already in Wakanda. So Black wow. Panther, Black Widow, and Captain America went up to them and said, y'all need to surrender. And um, Chadwick said, yo, the only thing you're going to get here is blood and despair if you try to come <laughs> up here. And then Proxima, yeah. Midnight, Proxima Midnight said, well, we have blood to spare. I'm like, that's a cold-blooded line. But see, people don't realize why Black people get outraged, and it don't matter what the race of the cop is. We don't yeah. have blood to spare. We don't have yeah. blood to spare. Exactly. And maybe because they think they're so, they have so many, you know, numbers compared to us, but right. maybe y'all feel like y'all are expendable, but our lives yeah. are not expendable. We don't play right. that. And the race of the cop ain't got nothing to do with it. So don't play yeah, with but, but, okay, like, okay, they kill white cops, white people more, yeah, because it's more of you guys, but we, 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 it's well, we still like only what 13 15 percent of the population, and we right. what, 70 80 percent of the prison population, or something like, something <laughs> like that, yeah, yeah. So, uh, I mean, so I mean, and then and then every time what, what was uh stop and frisk in New yep. York, it was like 85 90 percent of them was, was black yep. and Latino. I mean, so right. yeah, okay, it's fine. So, yeah, more white, be but but the but the, the statistics, uh, the rates of black men being stopped by police, imprisoned by police. Um, just oppressed by the system is way higher than white people. It just, it just yep. is. Yeah, it is. You know, and so you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's nuts. Uh, it's yeah. nuts. We got we, I money. mean, you know, like you know, they always, you know, they talk about the um, what they always say, the oppression, the oppression Olympics. And yeah. if, if if there was the Olympics, yeah. black people would win every single time. Yeah. <sighs> Tell me about yeah. it. Yeah. Tell me about it. Well, uh, we're going to start putting some stats to this stuff in, you know, coming weeks. Uh, I want to send a okay. shout out to the, the family of Tyree Nichols. Absolutely. Uh, California man. Uh, bless your heart. Godspeed. That justice in this case will be served. Absolutely. And, um, you know, like you said, man, it's like justice can uh, the wheels of justice, they say, can move pretty slowly. But for some reason, it seems to get on with the quickness when the officers are black. <laughs> Exactly. For some reason. I wonder reason. why. I wonder. I wonder. I wonder, I wonder know, why. Justice is so swift. Yeah. And so, and the same thing, you know, and, you know, I'm, I'm really off topic right now. You remember Amber Geiger, who shot the guy, was a Chicago? The brother was eating ice cream in his apartment. That, was, she, that, that was Dallas, I think. Dallas. Was it Dallas? She went to the wrong when she apartment. Went, when she, when she, when she supposedly mistakenly went in the wrong apartment? Yeah. Yep, and so, yeah. And so... Yeah. They they got her off the street really quick, but see, it's, yeah. it's, it seems like they protect white male cops because they'll sacrifice a white female cop quick. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, I don't. I, I mean, you, you're but, right, but I, I still think white female officers get away with. She she got a softer. You, you're right. She you yeah, She got ten. She got ten years. Yes. I, and only, I, the only reason why I think she she got the ten years like that mm -hmm. is because, like, it was just straight murder. Like, it wasn't like yep. you know they could always disguise it. Like when they pull someone over, oh, they were right. resisting arrest. Oh, they had right. drugs in their car. Oh, they had a right. weapon. And uh, but when she just walked into his apartment, just straight up murdered him. It's cold. There was bro. really there was really nowhere to go. She really should be. She really should have life in prison. Really. Life in prison. But, right. But that's what I'm saying. So they, it was really nowhere they could go. But then also, I think they yeah, they sentenced her like some like ten years or something. But then yeah. they but then they like tried to. I think she gets like. When it, she goes in front of probation board, oh, time like, served, yeah, time served. So she just, so she probably gonna get uh two, three years or something, or yeah, five yeah, years at the most. So she won't, she won't serve all those ten years. They, they'll, no. they'll make it easy on her. Not yeah. at all. 
And yeah. I remember it's like, man, the brother, the, the brother, both the brother's name was Botham John or Botham right. G. And uh, you remember his brother got on the stand and you know oh. was very sympathetic, gave her a and hug, hugged her, and hugged her. And hugged I was her. like, I, I, I guess, that. man. I mean, I. I I, I mean, I, I I get it. I get it on one. I hand. get it, but come on, but bro. She didn't, but she didn't. Des- I mean, to me, like you know, she didn't deserve that. You know, I, I don't right. think. And then she wasn't forthright in, in like in what she did at first. Right, either. right. So it wasn't like she right. was like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm crying. Like she's crying her eyes out. She was trying to. She was trying to uh like like hold like hold on to the lie. Right. But, uh, until until she, she just couldn't do it no more. Yep. You know, so yep. yeah, that 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 annoyed me. But you know, people yeah. gotta do what's in their heart, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah, they do. Well, justice and Godspeed to the family of Tyree Nichols. This is Hannibal Taboo, and you're listening to Psychotic Bump School with your host, DJ Rome, on KCWG thetruth.com, the best internet radio station on the planet. Uh good brother, I appreciate you being here. Before you go, man, I wanted to tap you up about uh this one other case, man. Sure. Uh in the state of Florida. Florida, Florida, Florida. 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 Remember for a while there, uh during election time, Florida just could not get it right for anything. And no. they have this governor in the state of Florida that is highly oh, touted to be one of Donald Trump's biggest threats to the presidential oh, nomination oh, for 2024. You know what I'm saying? And it's so yeah, so he Dr. Richmond, he has said advanced placement African-American studies, uh, it ain't going down in the state of Florida if so long as it's going to be tried to, to, you know, to be enforced under his watch. Right. He said it's not legitimate studies. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like the same thing because there was yep. a time ago you were here with CRT. It's like they don't yep. want certain things taught, period. Of course. Uh, you're a professor, good brother. What are your thoughts on this this banning of this this summer What am I saying? This this banning across the board of the the curriculum of advanced placement African American studies in the state of Florida, good brother. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, basically, this is an extension of the CRT discussion when I was on your show previously. It's basically mm-hmm. the same discussion. And, and, and what did I say? I said. And of course, it's not surprisingly based in Florida, of course. And just just like just like the just like the CRT discussion was, and right. I said basically, and I said basically by going against CRT, they are validating CRT. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, like like the the banning of African American studies is following those same principles. Because right. remember, remember what I said about those two tenets, right? Um, mm-hmm. Right. It's like like the like the first tenet was like racism is normal, right? It's, right. it's the the usual way society does business and the way most people of color are treated in America. So racism is normal. But mm-hmm. just like the just like the last uh, discussion we had on, on CRT, it, the same goes here. But the the most important tenant is the second tenant, right? And it's yeah. and and I I read it again for some people who don't know. Yes. Is, uh the system of of white over color ascendancy serves important purposes, both psychic and material. Because racism advances the interests of both white elites materially and working class whites psychically, so large segments of society have little incentive to eradicate it. Right. So you you don't want to disrupt that that white racial status quo. You know, and, and and learning the truth about the white racial status quo means you have to tear down everything that you always believed in all your life. You mm. know, so making Donald Trump president. Going after CRT and now African American studies. This this is like the last hurrah for white supremacy, you know. Wow. And and this is what we're dealing with right now. So who who knows where this is going, or where this is going to take it? 
Yeah. Well, I mean, he he's breaking protocol because it's already right. a nationwide program. I mean, Colorado yeah. is teaching it. Yeah. Uh, Beloit School District is teaching it. I mean, this is a well, African American studies. Yeah, I mean, it's been proved in other places. Is, is, is almost taught almost 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 everywhere. Almost, almost everywhere. Yeah. Almost everywhere. Yeah. So, like you said, I mean, this is they yeah, they want to but, press but the information it, again, right? Yeah, but it's like again, it's trying to maintain the status quo, the, the racial status quo, mm -hmm. and, and everything you believe in being tear torn down. But then the other the other motive from DeSantis' point of view is that he's you know he's trying to run for president and trying yeah. to, and trying to out Trump Trump. Yep. You know, so there's a lot of there's a lot of factors going into that. You know, it's like we don't want to we don't want to tear down everything we believed in. And, you know, what, what you know, Tim Wise, um, mm. uh, the you know, the white racial activist. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Most time. Well, he, he said when white people, they have to share, you know, like like equal, equal like opportunity or equality. He says like equality to white people feels like oppression. Yeah. Uh, and so this is what we're going through right now. They don't want to. They don't. They don't want to, you know, look at them, look in the mirror, or look at their life, and look at all the benefits they've had, or you know, of being white, and then have to learn it that all of it was a lie. Yeah. And not only was it a lie, it, 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 you know, it's a lot of blood. It's a, it's a lot. It's a lot of blood on it. You know, mm -hmm. as far as murder and slavery and you know, Native American uh, slaughter and. They don't want. They don't want to see that. So, so to, you know, it's like, you know, when someone does something wrong, they don't want to admit it or or see. You know, they never want to. Uh, you know, when someone does something to you, but they don't never want to say they sorry, uh -huh. or they they, they want to ignore it or whatever. They just they don't want to. Yep. You know, because they don't want to face it. You know, they don't want right. to face it. You know, right. same, same thing going. Same thing going on right now. Same thing going on now. They don't want to face reality. Um, Man, you've taught. Yeah. You've taken a African American studies course or two, right? In mm -hmm. terms of so if they if they call this an advanced placement course, can you what what would be because they're calling it they, they say it lacks educational value, good brother. No, they're just they're making shit up. Just you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it lacks I mean, educational value. You're right. So 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 I, what could be what could be in a curriculum of advanced placement when someone is taking an African American studies course? You know, it's kind of hard to say because all all schools, you know, kind of when teaching this stuff is different. Mm -hmm. You know, so advanced African-American studies in one school could be just African-American studies, period, just in another school, you know. So mm -hmm. they just put that advanced on it. Like if basically on, on some level, when it, when, it, when they say advanced, it's like basically like it's like when you're majoring in African-American studies. Right. You know, like so, you know, there's there's different levels. You yeah, know, like, a upper like a upper division, upper division, lower division. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. You know, African American studies one on one, then it goes to two on one, then three on one. Right, so, right, you right. You know, and so like, and so it's different. So it's 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 about the same. I mean, like I said, unless you're unless you're, that's your that's your major or your minor. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, that's when it, it's. But it's the same. It, it, African American studies is the same. It may they may you know give a more advanced. You know, it's, it it may be this. It's, it's the same. It's the same thing. Maybe as a lower tiers of african-american mm -hmm. studies but it probably more advanced work, right more right. more work more more essays more tests more Absolutely. examinations Absolutely. More you know so it's just it's just a different level of it, and mm -hmm. especially like if that's your major or absolutely yeah. and see i majored in pan-african studies when i was right. at Cal state la so the college board across the uh country college boards across the country and in uh, new york city in particular uh, they're trying this out in a lot of high schools and they're going to be teaching civil rights and, right. um, 
you know, <laughs> a lot of the things that Henry Louis Gates was fighting for. But the right. whole idea is like there's some academic rigor there because just like every mm -hmm. other course in curriculum, every professor doesn't teach it the same. So right. There, right. You're gonna, there, there are some African-American professors who teach this curriculum. They're going to challenge you, man. It's going to have the academic but, rigor of a course that is really advanced in writing, uh, critical thinking, all of it, and research. But, and you have to do like, Yeah, go ahead. But, but no, but just like I said with critical race theory, critical race theory is like an obscure theory that that, that was hardly, you know, it, it's not even taught in, in like K-12 education, but it's, it's barely taught. It's barely taught right. in, in, in college. And African American studies is taught a little, a little bit. Of course, it's a lot more than, than critical race theory, mm -hmm. but you get it in college. You know, right. you don't. You, they don't teach basically African American studies in um in K twelve education. You, you hear Martin Luther King, Civil Rights Movement, maybe a little bit on slavery, and that's it. Maybe, mm -hmm. and, and that's and that's it. And so now, right. now when a, when a kid, when a, a especially a white kid goes to college, and he or she may open their eyes to the reality of America. And, mm -hmm. and see the history of America. And then, you know, you know, when they get older, use that as far as, you know, their, you know, say political viewpoint. And mm -hmm. and that starts to affect their voting. You know, like I said before, their voting habits and mm -hmm. and what they, and, you know, and then, you know, and joining certain organizations and all that. So they don't want that. They don't want right. that. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's what they want to keep the racial status quo. Yeah. And, yeah. and 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 they don't want whites, their their children, their grandchildren, to be you know in that word woke or you know being being the reckoning of of, of a new day. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know they they want they want to keep that status quo, and they and they and they, and they, want, they want to hold on to it until they can't hold on to it no more. And they always worry that somebody they they always think payback is looming, man. Yeah, like, we don't want them to know too much because right. if they ever get mad enough and do to us what we've done to them, then we're gonna right. be. Trouble. That, 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 but, that's, that's absolutely but, part of it. But that they ain't the. We don't care. I mean, we no. care. But 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 it's like but you know is, okay. But 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 the thing is, okay, like you afraid we may do something, but we already know what you've done. So right. if we wanted to like the, the like the the massacre the whole race of white people, we would have been done that. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. so we already know what you've done. So it's not like it's not like we don't know. Right. What you've done. It's not it's like like the, the the black person who never went to college, dropped out of school in ninth grade, and may worked at a uh, a uh, a job, you know, you know, I don't know, uh, at a factory for, for right. 30, 40 years. Who, who, right. you know, who not real educated? Not they, they know, they know all the racism black people have went through in in this country. Exactly. You know, they don't have to go to school. You don't have to exactly. be educated. Right. So you, you know, know what I'm saying so. Yeah. Yeah, I do, man. I do know what you're saying. You know, one thing that they're scared of is this. I don't know if you heard this, brother, uh, Doctor T. Hazan Johnson. Uh, uh, he's he's in California too at the. Uh, okay. He's an associate professor at the Africana Studies at uh, Cal State Fresno. Uh, okay. He heads up the Africana Studies curriculum on black male studies. And okay. I, I think this is what they are afraid of, man, because one of the number one enrollees in his course of black male right. studies is guess who? White women. Yeah. Yeah. White I, women are signing up for black male studies. And then he <laughs> seeing that, you know, why are all these white women taking this black masculinity course? And um, he just said, "Is that what it's called? Black male studies?" Yeah, I don't know if you okay. can see the screen right now, but yeah, yeah, he, I'm looking. He, at he teaches it: black male studies, black masculinity, comparative black gender, and black male existentialism. And uh -huh. one of the main uh, 
the main one of the main demographics enrolled into this program are white females. And so he just asked them one day. Sometimes you just got to ask your audience what they uh-huh. want. Who's right. responding? You know, and right. by the way, shouts out to my people in Hutchinson, Kansas. Shouts out to people in Sacramento. Shouts out to people out in Boston. Thank you for listening to Psychotic Bump School. Sometimes you got to speak to your audience. So he decided to speak to his audience, man. And you know what they said? You know what the woman told him? Because it's not nearly that many sisters enrolling in that. But they said, I like black men. (laughs) I like black men and I want to be a better wife. I want to be better. A better ally. No, no, no. They, They want... Well, I'm sure that was a part of it. I mean, too, yeah, that. But, but oh, you mean they, like they, they want to like be down? Uh, like they have a lot of black boyfriends and husbands. Yes. And, oh, okay. I see what you say. Okay. And, yeah. and they want to be better in their relationships to black men. Okay. And, like, and see, that's what they're afraid of. If only, if only the the powers that be in Florida had a little bit more of an appreciation for diversity, and uh, if they weren't so afraid of that which they didn't understand and would seek to suppress rather than um allow it to inform their current reality we might be able to get past this whole stop woke thing that Ron DeSantis is trying to, yeah, to get right. across but you nailed it right at the top by saying okay but this is what he's going to run on because he's yeah. trying to out trump trump that's basically right. what this is about and that's right. all and, about. And, and and that's another thing too is like when I teach these classes I mean, you're not trying to brag or nothing but when I teach these classes mm-hmm. which I teach you know on and off for like you know over a decade now mm-hmm. um I get so many white kids that say, you know, I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't mm. know. I didn't know. Thank you for, for opening my eyes. I, I, I got so many. It's it, it's like, it, 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 I can't even count how many, I got, many times I, I've been told that by a white student. And wow. <laughs> it, 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 you know, when you're honest and, and you're, you're focused and you're disciplined about the work and, and you teach it to people, you know, the results come out. And Absolutely. And they don't want that. And again, they, they just don't want that. They don't, they want, don't that. want it. They don't want it. No. You know what the trip? I mean, I'm glad you said that because it doesn't surprise me, man. When I was a, I was a Pan-African studies major at mm-hmm. State of LA. Right. And some of those professors, I mean, it wasn't all African and black studies uh, right. courses to get that degree. Right. But a lot of my professors were white. Right. Non-black. All right. A lot of students that were enrolled in those classes, they weren't yeah. black either. Right. And so what one thing thing that used to trip us out, we were all students and we noticed that there was this one white guy, bless his heart, um, (laughs) nice guy. But the dude always came to class prepared. Anytime the professor had questions, he said, look, we next time in class, I need you to read these two chapters in this Uh book. I need you to read this chapter in this book. And we're going to have a conversation about it. Right. And brother, man was one of the only ones that came ready to discuss what was in the text. Right. Because he was taking it serious. And I'm like, you know what? What what is it about us, our people? There, there's a movie out this weekend called You People on Netflix. Yeah, I, I haven't seen it yet. Eddie Murphy. Bruh, yeah. Bruh, yeah. I don't know if you want to spend your time in it. I mean, I, I don't want to you know, tip my hand too much, but, uh-huh. but it's like they, my point is that he, they this cat took it real serious and honestly he made me step my game up. I'm like, no, right. bro, you ain't gonna you ain't gonna outshine me in no black right. studies class, bro. It's like I came, I read every word of every well, chapter that professor assigned, bro. I came prepared. Well, every but class. I mean, it, it, it's two ways. <laughs> I mean, you can look at it two ways. Yeah, I mean, because because as, as black folks, sometimes you do get embarrassed. Like, man, you know, why why we ain't like man, we should be 
doing what these white students are doing, like uh-huh. taking the notes and doing the, home, the research and the homework. Right. And the, but the but the other but the other part though, like when you said like these white women are going more than black women, you know it. You know we live it though. You know so yeah, we live the reality. So we don't have you know we don't have to be all gung ho about it. We live it. You know That's so. True. You know, so yeah, on one hand, yeah, they, the black people should, black young black men and women should be more focused when they're in the African American studies class. But at the same time, yeah, they they should, white people should be more attentive, attentive I feel to, you. I feel you know you. what I'm saying? So it, yeah, it, it kind of goes you. both ways. It kind of goes both ways. Yeah. I feel you. I feel yeah. you. That makes a lot of sense. That's a valid point. KCWG, thetruth.com. This program is called Psychotic Bump School. My name is DJ Rome. And ladies and gentlemen, are we or are we not done with coronavirus? Well, this past weekend, we just celebrated, if that's a way to put it, three years of coronavirus. I think the 27th of this year marked the three-year anniversary of the onset of the once-in-a-generation pandemic known as coronavirus. And we have some information now that we didn't have three years ago, certainly. And we have some people that have been analyzing this data even before all this began and leading up to the throes of it and post so-called, I'm doing finger quotes, y'all, so-called post-COVID responses and where we are now. But I'm seeing signs that globally in continents such as Asia and countries like China and Japan, um, it's this, this isn't over. And we're even seeing some spikes here in parts of the country here. So what is really going on? Well, there's one person and one person only who's best equipped to answer that question to the best of her ability. She is an epidemiologist out of California. She's been here multiple times before, and I am so glad she's back from her own worldwide travels in her own right. So ladies and gentlemen, please help me welcome back to Psychotic Bump School, our good sister, Dr. Flo John Kofer. Dr. Flo, Dr. Flo, what's going on? Hey, thank you for having me. It's really wonderful to be back. And I'm excited, if that's the right word, it to is talk right to word. you about what's going on. <laughs> I want to know what is going on. You've been around the world and yeah, 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 and all yes. that yourself. I can't find my baby. Nobody you know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, well, how was your trip? I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that was vacation, recreation, yes. not so much work related. So you yes. went to Ghana, right? I went to Ghana. I went to Ghana. I was in Ghana in December, which is a whole thing. Um, It's both a fact as well as a a vibe and um, something that is is a really big celebration there because a lot of people are off work um, and Mm. are celebrating the holidays. And there are a lot of um, events and gatherings and good food and parties. And it is just wonderful. And I went there for um, you know, rest and connection. And I had the the honor of bringing my mom and my aunt with me. Um, it was both mm. of their first times to the continent. And so um, we got to, to do that part. And it was my first trip to Ghana, although I've been to five other countries 
Um, and so mm-hmm. it was just a wonderful experience to be able to have with them. So I'm glad to be back and I'm feeling very well rested, um, yes. sun kissed and, and, you know, loved on and uh, I'm ready to talk about what's happening worldwide and in oh, epidemiology. Wow. Yeah, and I am so glad you were able to give yourself that well-deserved break. Fifth country in Africa, that is, right? That you had that, that, This was my sixth. I had been to five other six. Wow, that is stunning. Well, uh, that is definitely on a brother's bucket list. So welcome on home. And uh, I wonder what you could update us on now that you're all rested. What is going on with coronavirus, Dr. Flo? I had you on for the first time two, getting close to maybe three years ago. And uh, there were a lot of things that we didn't know. Well, when I say we, I'm not talking about you, because y'all have been studying this stuff for years, right? Yes. <laughs> so, so the layperson, the layperson was clueless as to what was going on. So can you mm-hmm. give us a little update, just generally speaking, about where we are with the battle with coronavirus? What do we know today that we didn't know at the onset? And generally, how are we doing in our response to this once in a generation pandemic? Can you talk to us about that a little bit? Sure. So I think it's important for us to kind of think about where we were before, right? Um, so people will will kind of have this conversation about, you know, is this our new normal? And I would say, you know, every day we are um, experiencing new normals. Coronavirus, I think, really changed the way that we see and think about our lives, right? Especially because it was the first time um, in in everybody's lifetime that we had been on a, a lockdown, right, and a kind of global, you know, stay-at-home order, um, and we had businesses and things that were closed that never closed, right? And so that was unique. Um, but if we're really, you know, honest with ourselves, every day, you know, the world changes a little bit, and sometimes those shifts are just small and so imperceptible that we don't realize that it's kind of like gaining or losing weight, right? You can't see it day by day, but eventually, you know, little uh-huh. little by little things are changing. Mm-hmm. And so uh, so the key question when all of this started was, you know, when will we move from what we call, you know, um, the initial outbreak phase of a pandemic into what's called the endemic phase? Um, and it, it, we we categorize that, you know, in epi when we move from a phase where many people have not been infected and the risk if they do get infected is severe illness and or death to a place where we have um, you know, the, the virus maybe continues to spread and infect us, but it rarely causes the severe disease because most of us have some immunity against it. Um, and so that's the place at w- which we would say it's become endemic, that if you are going to get it, you're less likely to experience a severe disease, um, you're less likely to die. And so an example of, of that is the the flu virus, right? That we see happening every year. We have there's a seasonality to it, with more of the virus spreading during the colder um, winter months when people tend to be indoors more, um, and therefore in closer proximity. And while yes, every year tens of thousands of people die from flu, um, it's a small number of the people who are infected by flu who actually die from it. Um, and part of that is because the flu is spreading, and so you might have some immunity from having been infected before. And we also have um, an annual flu vaccine that people are administered and about 30 to 40 percent of those who are eligible get a flu vaccine. And so that certainly helps to um, to limit how um, how much the virus spreads and also how dangerous it, it is when it when people do get it. So that's what we're looking forward to with um, with covid. And I would argue that we are not quite there yet. 
Um, so if we think about, you know, where we are now compared to our situation, you know, a little over a year ago, right, we were coming out of a wave of deadly infections with the Delta variant. And, um, you know, a lot of people thought, oh, is this the endemic phase? Um, and are things going to kind of, you know, taper off? And then right as we entered into the holidays in 2021, we the Omicron virus, uh, their variant came onto the scene. And then came all the hospitalizations and lots more people dying going into the beginning of 2022. And so now we've kind of gone through the fall phase. And while certainly the number of vir of um, people who were infected peaked up, we, we have seen around the world that in some places, we also have seen an associated hospitalization rate increasing and people dying. So we're still not at a place where we're not seeing the peaks in the severe disease the way that um, we would think we would have when we reach endemic. So I would say we may be approaching endemic, but we're not quite there. Okay, fair enough. I'm seeing that the CDC is talking about something called XBB 1.5. Yes. Um, and you mentioned Omicron. Uh, what is distinguishable with this variant strain of the virus compared to the ones before? I hear this one's pretty, pretty easy to spread, right? Yes. Um, so that so that's what's interesting here is that, you know, viruses shift and drift. And so what we're going to experience, right, it's the same reason why every year there's a flu vaccine. People are like, well, if I've gotten the flu vaccine, why isn't it like me measles and mumps and rubella and that once I get vaccinated, I'm vaccinated for life? And it's a good question um, because there's there's something called shift and drift, and it's the way that um, viruses mutate over time. And some viruses, all my viruses mutate, but some mutate at a very, very, very slow rate. Um, and those mutations are so small and so inconsequential that basically the, the virus is mostly unchanged. And so that's why you can get lifetime immunity from having your um, measles, mumps, and rubella vaccine um, or lifetime immunity from, for example, your polio vaccine with maybe a, um, an occasional booster as an adult because those viruses just simply don't mutate as quickly. Um, and the booster sometimes is just to be because as you age, your immune system sometimes doesn't work quite as well. Um, when it comes to viruses like the flu, they mutate very quickly. And so when you have a virus that mutates very quickly, you're going to end up with variants of that virus. And that's what we've seen thus far with COVID is that you can be you know, immunized for a particular variant, but as the virus mutates, then these new ones come out and then the protection you had before isn't quite as good for the new ones. And so... Um, the early reports, as you mentioned, indicate that um, the XBB 1.5 is much more contagious than the previous variants. Um, and it also may be better at avoiding our immune system's defenses, right? And so what that means is that just because you've been vaccinated, you may still be able to get an infection um, with this one. And that's a, that infection could be um, more severe. Um, it also means that it's more transmissible because Part of the way that a vaccine works is that it's supposed to help take some people out of the transmission equation. So if a virus is spreading through a community and um, and I have it, let's say, and let's say I, I, I have the, the virus and then I interact with you, Rome, and you have, have been vaccinated, there's a lesser chance that I'm able to give it to you and therefore you're able to give it to other people. So essentially the buck stops with you, right? And the more people who are vaccinated, the more that happens. But when we end up with a new variant that 
um, is able to evade our immune system's defenses, it's almost like we go in some ways back to square one with the, the pandemic from day one, which is this is a brand new virus and nobody has immunity. And so then it can spread really rapidly through. And so then the question that remains to be seen is, will it cause severe illness? Um, and right now it's just too early to say for sure. It doesn't appear right now to cause more severe Ill illness than the other strains. Um, it's probably not gonna be as bad as the Delta variant, um, especially since so far we're not seeing higher rates of severe infection or hospitalization. Um, but who knows? But, you know, and it's still too early to tell even if we'll have a big surge in cases. Um, this may might not be as bad. Um, so far the worst surge was from Omicron. Um, so we'll just have to kind of wait and see, unfortunately. Yeah, I have a two part question. So forgive me if this is kind of loaded. Given what you just said about how the virus has mutated during the previous administration, it created sort of a fertile ground for a lot of misinformation to be spread and a lot of distrust, oh of, a lot of distrust of the community, you know, and love so well in the medical and science community came under tremendous pressure to uh, get it right, right away, even though science by its very nature evolves over time. So two questions, really? where would you say the uh, scientific consensus is regarding uh, misinformation? Because I see a judge in Sacramento just struck down a law about the spread of misinformation. Yes. Uh, two questions, Do, would you say, where would you say the scientific consensus is in the epidemiology community is, one, and two, given the spread of this current strain, should we be currently maxed up like we were before we knew that's, all of this? That's a great question. Um, so first I wanna start with just some information. Um, and that the, you know, because a lot of people are saying, well, if this potentially can evade the current vaccines, why am I bothering to get vac vaccinated? And I just want to remind everyone that similar to getting the flu shot, even if that year's flu is maybe slightly off from the prediction, right? Because they predict the flu in February, you get, you know, your, your flu shot September through November. And sometimes we predict a dominant strain that ends up not coming to fruition. But, but because it's still the same virus, it's a different variant. If you do get infected, infected, what we've seen is that people who get infected after having been immunized have a much less severe course of disease and are far less likely to die. And that appears to be the same for XBB 1.5. So you, you know, getting vaccinated is still very helpful in terms of preventing you know, hospitalization um, and severe courses of disease thus far. Um, and we learn every day. And so you're absolutely right. Um, last week, uh, a federal judge in California struck down a bill that was passed last year and signed by Governor Newsom to be able to prevent misinformation by physicians. Uh, but I want to I want to couch this under the free speech conversation because those are actually the grounds that the judge struck this down on. This is Uncle Funk of the Soul Children LA. And you're listening to Psychotic Bump School with your host, DJ Rome, on KCWG, thetruth.com, the best internet radio station on the planet. Yo, this is Mood Yo. Control. Oh. Saying you might as well pay attention. Control. You can't afford free speech. Mood Control is designed to render funkable ideas brought to you by the makers of Mr. Prolong. Better known as Urge Overkill, the pimping of the pleasure principle. Oh, but we'll be pecking lightly, like a woodpecker with a headache. Because it's cheap 
now about the effectiveness of the vaccines, the boosters, does it increase the risk of death? Does it contribute, based upon what we do know today, <laughs> is there any data that suggests that the vaccines or the boosters contributed in any way to any rise in corollary related heart diseases or sudden deaths? Uh, you have any information on that? 
Sure. So um, what I can say is, is this, that the coronavirus vaccines are generally safe. And what I mean by generally safe is that um, there are going to be exceptions, as is the case with any therapeutic. Everything from the Advil and Tylenol that you may take for a headache or, you know, some minor aches and pains to, you know, the the um, narcotic type of prescriptions that you might get um, from a pharmacy. There is always going to be someone who has a negative side effect, an allergy, et cetera. So those are, are the few and far between. So when we're talking about things being safe, what we're saying is, in general, for the vast majority of people, this thing is safe. And when we're talking about something not being safe, that means in general, for a lot of people, um, the, like more the rule than the exception, this thing is not safe. So cigarettes fall into that category of like, most people who use them are going to have lung issues and heart issues and other, you know, and cancer increases and all of those things that on the whole, this is more harmful than helpful. That mm -hmm. does not mean that you don't have a great aunt somewhere who smoked for 75 years and lived to be 107. Sure, that, that is the exception. But I would not encourage, if you would like to live to 107, that you go out and take up a smoking, right? In right. the same way, if you would like to be protected from the coronavirus, I would strongly suggest that you get a vaccine. Because the, the likelihood is that you fall into the category of people who are going to have much more of a protective experience from the vaccine than the very, you know, far, few and far between exceptions to the rule where you may have some sort of um, allergy to one of the components or a, a negative response. What we have found thus far is that the vaccine has not caused um, for most people, you know, major side effects. Um, and that overall, the threat of coronavirus and, you know, the potential for severe illness and or death and for long COVID far outweighs any other considerations for most people. But it's always a conversation you should have with your doctor based on your personal health history, based on your, your allergy profile, um, and based on, you know, just in general, like things that have happened to you with previous vaccines, because that's, that's the general rule. But I'm not looking at someone's individual patient file saying this vaccine is good for you. I'm saying this vaccine is good for the population, which is what we as epidemiologists look for. You, you said long COVID. Can you define that? And what's the term limits uh, that we do know? I mean, is there a general timeline if someone has what's called long COVID? How do you define that? Sure. Um, so when, when we talk about long COVID or sometimes as you'll hear it referred to as post-COVID conditions, it's basically when some people who've been infected with the virus um, that causes COVID-19 experience like long-term effects from their infection. Um, and so um, again, people use various names for it, um, but it causes a, a range of ongoing health problems that can last weeks, months, or even years. So we have not given an upper limit on what long COVID means, but usually it is beyond the course of infection. So in other words, we typically think of the COVID infection as being two to three weeks or at the max. So when you're still experiencing symptoms after that, you may be um, having some lingering symptoms, um, but if they continue to persist, we may consider that to be long COVID. Um, and so, you know, some of the, the things that happen are people experience, um, you know, kind of like lung capacity issues. So maybe they're having labored breathing. Um, 
some people may be experiencing um, the, what some people are calling like the brain fog, um, tiredness and fatigue that like inter interacts with your, your ability to be able to like do your activities of daily living. Um, uh, so, and I, I said kind of the brain fog, um, it's sometimes like a post, I think they're calling it like post exertion fatigue mm -hmm. or malaise or something like that. Um, you may even experience fever. Some people have a lingering cough or chest pain um, or like heart palpitations. So like an increased um, heart rate. Um, some people experience headache or um, disruptions to their sleep, dizziness, um, a ch the ch that change in your smell or taste not coming back. Um, and sometimes there even are digestive symptoms of like diarrhea, stomach pain, um, joint or muscle pain, um, rash, uh, sometimes even depression or anxiety that didn't, you know, previously exist. Um, and then even some rare occasions, some changes in menstrual cycles. Mm, how about that? Okay. I'm going to tread lightly with this next part, uh, Dr. Flo. It's a little sensitive. <laughs> okay. No, it's, a, it's a little sensitive because, uh, Lynette Hardaway recently passed away. She's one half of a uh, diamond and silk and she passed away to what was speculated by her own sister as uh, she, she, she was there when it happened. And of course the cause of death was later revealed to be heart disease. And mm -hmm. even when DeMar Hamlin, the football player for the Buffalo bills, even when he went down in that game against the, the Bengals immediately trending online was, was he vaxxed or, they immediately, the speculators, the trolls, okay? And, you know, and we have to take that with a grain of salt because trolls are not, you know, in the real world, uh, so to speak. It's cyberspace. So you have to definitely take it with a grain. But the way COVID deaths were reported, Dr. Flo, has also long been considered inflated. Like you, you could have a bump on the head and for political purposes, people were attributing... Okay, the, the the theory is people were attributing anything, anything that caused somebody to pass away, they made it about COVID no matter what, for political purposes, maybe because they didn't like Donald Trump being off being in office. Mm -hmm. Do we know more what do we know now today that we didn't know before about how coronavirus deaths have been classified as were they actually suffering from coronavirus before or subsequent to an, an injury or accident? Or do we know if they were just calling slips and falls COVID? And, and that's an extreme example, but you, you catch my drift, right? How do What do we know now about how coronavirus deaths were classified in general? So it's a really great question. And I definitely understand why people are skeptical because they're like, are all of these deaths really related to, to um, coronavirus? Mm -hmm. So I would say that People are absolutely right to be skeptical because in some ways um, there, pro there were people who likely were um, decided posthumously to have died from COVID who were not actually tested for COVID, especially if they mm -hmm. died at home um, and not in a healthcare facility where they might have been tested on admission. Right. So we understand that. Um, so the, but those, that's where we get into the presumption, um, presumptive cause of death. Right. Um, and because we don't do an autopsy on everyone. Um, if you had a respiratory illness and, you know, with certain symptoms and then you died from, from that illness during that time, that would be a, a presumption, right? It's one of those, the, there's an old saying of 
if you're on a horse farm and you hear hooves, think horses, not zebras, right? <laughs> like <laughs> if you have these symptoms, right? It's most, and, and, you know, during this time where there's this outbreak of this disease, it's probably that. Mm. I can say to you for sure is that way more people died from the time the COVID virus came on the scene than we normally expected. So what I mean by that is if it were the case where we were causing, and I know it was an, an extreme example, but slips and falls and some of mm -hmm. these other deaths, right? If we were misclassifying those and just calling everything COVID because we had COVID on the brain, we should not have then seen a major uptick in the number of people who died during that same period of time, because why would we, Right. Mm. Also, during the time, especially in the beginning where we were doing um, stay-at-home stay orders, fewer people were driving. And so the number of motor vehicle crashes went down. The number of, um, of mm -hmm. like, occupational injuries and, and deaths went down. So, like, we should have expected, in, if anything, the death rate to stay the same or to lower because some of the major causes of death in the U.S. were being stopped because people were at home. And yet and still more people were dying. So the, 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 like, right, we take things in total, right? So not just, we don't just look at, okay, are we classifying these incorrectly? We also say, well, what are the data we already have? Well, we have years of data on mortality to know that we expect the number one cause of death to usually be heart disease. And, you know, cancer is usually three or four on the list. And depending on the age groups, right, there are these major causes of death. And generally speaking, we saw that. And then we could account for the increase in the number of deaths being this novel coronavirus that was spreading in this way using the confirmed cases, like, right, the places where we know people had COVID, where we know they died of symptoms associated with COVID, and we could extrapolate that to say we're about right. So I don't have a lot of concerns about the quality of the data because okay. there's, there are all these other data pieces that we use to pull together the full picture. I hope that makes sense and I hope that allays people's fears. But it's absolutely true that it's a valid question. Um, and I'm glad people are curious. I will say, I am glad people are curious. I'm glad people are, are asking questions. I'm glad people are suspicious. Good. That is the first part of the scientific method. You're noticing mm -hmm. something and you have questions. Mm -hmm. And so the next thing we do is go to the data and say, well, what do we know? What would we expect? What patterns are already in place that we can draw on? And how might what we're seeing now differ from what we've seen from before? Mm. Wow. No, that that that's acceptable. I mean, I've had Dr. Shakir Emel on here, Dr. Reggie Robinson. Uh, Dr. Emel is an emergency physician. Dr. Robinson out of D.C. is a cardiologist. And now you, Dr. Flo, epidemiologist out of California. And I have to tell you, all three of you have been rather judicious in your responses to people's skepticism. You guys, all three of y'all, particularly you, because I, I know you've done some uh, community service work in your own right, but y'all would make great politicians. And <laughs> Robert Redfield better watch out because y'all handle these questions on the fly. Because it, I guess it is, I, I, I know y'all got tired though, because I, I, I talked to them, Dr. Flo, and I haven't spoken to you in a while, but it was just exhausting during the height of this, there was so many things being thrown around. There was so much distrust being thrown around. And California is a state that just in an entirely different, unrelated manner, it doesn't report abortion numbers anymore. And I think they stopped doing that some years ago, or at least that's my understanding. And so there's always been this widespread, again, with a political backdrop to it, that 
California was somehow either padding or downgrading their numbers in order for uh, the appearance of some political aptitude in how this governor, for example, was responding to it relative to the rest of the country, and in particular, his main rival in a certain state called Florida, <laughs> if you know what I mean. And so it's always fascinating to get your responses to this stuff on the fly. Uh, before I let you go, I mean, I sure appreciate all this update. I don't know how you keep all this information <laughs> at the top of mind, but this is what you do. But <laughs> are, are you, where are you personally? I mean, you had to live with this yourself. You had to add, mm -hmm. deal with a lot of questions for me. And I'm just one person, but are, are you, where, are you in a better place right now with this whole thing? I mean, were you, were you ever scared? Were you, and now today, are, are you like, I told you so? I mean, even a little bit. You, you, you're you you're very fair when people have <laughs> skeptical questions, but do, is there any part of you that says, I tried to warn you, or I told you so, or all y'all had to do was just listen to us in the first place and we'd be fine? <laughs> Where are you right now, Dr. Flo? <laughs> well, I, I really try not to. I mean, I'm human, so that I have had moments. I don't mean to brag. Seriously, right? You know, like, <laughs> oh my gosh. Like, argh. Right. I, I find myself most frustrated. Like I, I usually say this um, less as a way to kind of be self-deprecating, but more to just like remind ourselves that we're not experts in everything. And so I always joke and say I have four degrees and I've never taken an economics class. And so mm. I still struggle with the basics of like, what is the economy? And it's funny because it popped up in my memories on social media just from like yesterday or the day before that I said, I'm going to ask one more time before I give up. What is the economy? Right. And they were like, you know, wow. 40 or 50 responses of people just laughing about it to people giving me honest answers, et cetera. But mm -hmm. I, I often bring that up because, look, I don't go out and try to speak above my knowledge and understanding when it comes to what the economy is going to do, how the economy is composed, because it's not my level of expertise, because I've never taken a course in it, because I'm not well studied and well read on it, because there's only a certain number of hours in, in a day and days in a week and weeks in a year. And mm -hmm. I have to prioritize, right? And so I know this stuff very well because I spend my time on it. And right. what I do when it comes to economic principles and understanding, you know, ebbs and flows of the economy is I go to trusted sources. I find people who seem to have done the research themselves to understand the data. And that's who I ask the questions of. And then when they tell me things, I certainly think about them and consider them. I don't just take everything everyone gives me and go, uh-huh, and nod and move on. But mm -hmm. I generally try to find people I trust and then defer to their expertise. And so I think sometimes what's a little bit frustrating for those of us who are doing this work, who look like you and live in your communities and care about you, is that you come to us and you ask us questions. And we are happy to tirelessly answer those questions. But then you turn around and use your degree from the school of Google and say, well, I disagree because, and then you give us like debunked myths, right? right. Like, you know, information that you got from sources that can't be verified and mm -hmm. feelings that are not facts and all of these other things. And we're like, mm. listen, I get the skepticism. I get the misunderstanding. But once you have the information, it would be nice if similar to how I'm not going to argue with my auto mechanic about what's wrong with my car because I don't know anything about cars. Right. Don't like <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to find someone I trust. Right. I'm not going to go to someone skeezy. But once I find someone I trust. And that person has been good to me. And I think that person has my best interest. If they tell me this is going to cost me $300, I say, okay, I trust you that this is what's wrong. And maybe I can find it cheaper somewhere else, but I don't think you're trying to scam me. And so mm -hmm. I think that was the most disheartening part about all of this is that I don't 
I, I'm not making money off of, you know, COVID. I'm not here. I'm not, you know, for, for all these, I'm not your, your, you know, primary care physician or, you know, your care provider. I have no reason to lie to you about this. <laughs> I don't get a kickback from Pfizer or Moderna. I don't get any of those things. I am here as your friendly neighborhood epidemiologist that works for a nonprofit and is trying my best to get information out because I deeply care about my community. And so I think that was frustrating, especially when some of the people who were doing this ended up being in close proximity to people who got very sick and died who were unvaccinated or who were not wearing masks because they didn't believe that they worked or they thought that they caused more harm than good or all these things. And I did, I would never say that you caused the death of somebody else. Cause that just feels like blaming and it doesn't feel productive, but it mm -hmm. does feel like some, some folks had platforms and they used them in ways that to me felt irresponsible. And there were consequences to that. Um, people, other people listening in your network, because you're in their sphere of influence. And so when you come out and say these things, I think they, you know, I think they erode other people's trust in places that maybe they should trust. Right. Um, and so that was, I think, the hardest part, the part that made me the most frustrated. Yeah. I will tell you that, you know, personally, the scariest part of all of this was actually managing um, when my uncle was in the hospital with COVID um, that he got when he, you know, in a very bad decision, decided to go to this indoor fish fry before the vaccines even came out. Um, and I, you know, as my family's medical manager, you know, my, my cousins would not, his kids would not make any medical decisions without having them consult with me. And it felt like a lot of, you know, pressure on me of just like right. not just managing a case, but like, this is my dad's brother. And if something mm -hmm. happens and I make a bad decision, like I could potentially be, you know, impacting his health, well-being and life. Right. Um, mm -hmm. Especially when he was, you know, in the hot and we're talking about, you know, well, his, you know, here's where his, his pulse ox is and, you know, should we do monoclonal antibodies or not? Like, is he, is he mm -hmm. rallying? better or is this a term for the worst timing is of the essence there wasn't a whole lot of data on the timing of administering monoclonal antibodies and you know and i knew we were in a bad place because um physicians very rarely like they'll ask for your consent for things but they rarely very rarely ask for your input mm. and when i was talking to the attending um the attending said well you're an epidemiologist like you know you're probably as steeped in the data as me what do you think right and i was like oh we are we are deep <laughs> in the throes of this when you're asking someone whose credentials you have not verified in any way right, what right. they think might be the best thing to do right? right um it was scary in the beginning because a lot of people are looking to you for information and for answers and my mom was offering me to every black church on the eastern seaboard uh, which is giving my phone number out to people and they're calling me and they're like, my husband's in the hospital Will you talk to his physician. Like those things were hard mm, um, wow. and helping families make decisions about what to do next or understand what is already going on. Um, it, it was rough. It, it took an emotional toll because these are real people and you can hear the fear in their voices That's and right. they're talking to you and you're trying to help them make good decisions. Um, and, you know, and you're trying to do community education and, you know, I was working 18, sometimes 20 hour days and just like putting my head down on my desk and then getting up, brushing my teeth, grabbing some food and starting back at work. And it, that was not a sustainable mm -hmm. pace and practice. Mm -hmm. um, but it was it was kind of what we were doing to try to to meet needs at the time. So mm -hmm. 
yeah, it was hard. And it, it was, there were times, you know, when with all of that exhaustion, it was just like, come on, y'all. If you, if you know and trust, please don't make my job harder right now. Exactly. You know what? Thank you for putting such a human face on this because I do what I can. I mean, we focus a lot on mental health and education and entertainment and relationships and the science and medical community as well. And I have to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, it's not common that we have such proficient subject matter experts available to us in our community, but I guarantee you they're there. And she didn't say it, ladies and gentlemen, but I'm going to quote the good brother, uh, the late, great John Heinrich Clark, who's one of our great African-American historians and professors of our time. I actually saw him speak once while he was still alive. Uh, uh -huh. He once had a famous quote, uh, Dr. Flo. And this is this is my message to anyone that's still to this day a little bit skeptical about what Dr. Flo has shared with you, because she's been very fair. She's not she's not come across as pompous. Like, I know I know better. Y'all should just listen to me. No, she's she, she's not even doing that. But she's not saying that this is me. And I'm quoting John Heinrich Clark, ladies and gentlemen, because Dr. Flo did not say this. But the great John Heinrich Clark once said, and Dr. Flo, you may already know where I'm going with this. He's famously quoted as <laughs> saying, I only debate my equals, all others I teach. And I'm going to leave that right there. Dr. Flo is a California epidemiologist, ladies and gentlemen. I am so happy to have her back here after her travels around the world and her battles and just dedication and just her insight, her knowledge, her expertise. Uh, we're very fortunate here on Psychotic Bump School to have had Dr. Flo John Colfer here. Dr. Flo, I cannot thank you enough. You kind of cited some sources already, but before we let you go real quick, uh, what's some quick uh, references you can give us if anyone is interested in keeping track of the state of this virus, uh, any uh, updates from the viral community, if you will, uh, where can they go as a reliable source of information? Dr. Flo John. Yeah. Actually, you know, one of the, the things I often tell people to do is um, to uh, to Google COVID updates. Because mm -hmm. what it will do is um, if you have your location turned on, it'll actually give you your COVID numbers um, and um, and and also some of the top stories about um, COVID. And they've done a really good job of trying to kind of like weed out the misinformation. So you're going to be able to see like what are the all time cases and deaths, what are the total deaths. So that's a good way to just be able to see. Also, um, California has a lot of resources as it relates to COVID, especially the California Department of Public Health. And so I usually tell people to go to covid19.ca.gov um, to be able to, to check out those resources. They're, they also will connect to community resources as well. Um, and they have things in both English and Spanish. And so it's just really great to be able to go there and just kind of find out what's going on. Um, and, you know, when you're looking at, you know, trusted information, I would say find the people people who, you know, who have a background in these things, who will answer your questions and consider your questions fair. You're absolutely right, Rome. If somebody starts condescending you when you're asking questions, that's not a trusted messenger. Because any anybody who's thoughtful and understanding has had the same questions as you at, at some point. 
um, and understands why you're asking those questions. Mm -hmm. um, and really, honestly, we love it when people ask us questions. That's right. not the thing that's frustrating. It's when, you know, we, we give you the information and then we're, we're explaining to you, even when you come back to us and say, well, I saw this, what about that? And we'll walk you through it and say, well, you know, this doesn't actually include this. And here's what, what you need to know about that. And this site has been rapidly, you know, routinely debunked as offering mm -hmm. this information, right? Like at that point, like, you know, like, listen <laughs> to us. I guess it's all I can say. Just listen. Like, we'll answer all of your questions, but if you're coming into it with just you have a particular opinion and you're unwilling to be swayed, then it's almost like don't don't spend our time couching those as questions because you're not really actually open to hearing a difference of opinion. Yeah, there you go. Another quote before we let you go from the Motor Booty Affair album, 1978 by Parliament. <laughs> They said you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them do the backstroke. Well, that's our show, y'all. Psychotic Bump School is the place where education and entertainment meet at the intersection of funk and soul. My name is DJ Rome, and you know we're here every Monday evening from 5.30 p.m. to 7 p.m. Pacific time. And it repeats again on Friday evenings at 6.30 p.m. to 8 p.m. Pacific time check back with us we shall return next week also want to send a very very special thanks to our guest this evening dr sanford richmond and of course our good sister dr flo john colfer dr flo also want to send a very very special shout out to mr frank starks who is the iron man behind the board and we're out of here y'all take care